There we are. Good morning and welcome to those that are joining us online at home. I've already been warned I don't have much wiggle room here, I don't think. I can't really walk. How far out of camera can I go? They can still hear me, hey, okay. <laughs> I tend to move around a lot, so apologies if I disappear. Um, how is everyone on this nice cold morning, hey? Oh, good, well done for getting out of bed. I'm pretty sure when I preached a couple of weeks ago, it was also like winter, you know? So obviously, maybe something to do with my... No, but you know, like Durban winter last two days. Um, so this morning's topic, I was telling my kids this morning, Laura and John, they were asking me, um, how long is church going to take? I was like, I promise I'll try to be quick because <laughs> they have plans after this. And, um, and for anyone sitting here, I promise I'll try to be quick. <laughs> now I'm embarrassing him, sorry. Um, but uh, they asked me what I was preaching on, and I said it's on hide and seek, and that's the topic for this morning. We're going to be chatting about hide and seek. And John was fascinated by this. He was like, Mom, are the parents going to go hide? So he, he is under the impression we're about to have a giant game of hide and seek this morning. Not necessarily the worst idea that's ever been sprung in church, hey? It would be kind of fun. Um, anyone here remember playing hide and seek as a child? Anyone, any adults who've recently played hide and seek at all? I did a couple weeks ago. The house, um, <laughs> the house that my parents uh, live in, they've lived in now for 35 years. So it's the house I grew up in. And I can tell you every little nook and cranny of that house, I can tell you where all the best hiding spots are. And so, of course, when my kids challenge me to a game, I'm the champion. And I, it, this meant that about three weeks ago, I found myself sitting under the dressing table like this, kind of going, I will not give up here. I mean, it was highly uncomfortable, but I, w I was determined I was going to win that game. Um, but of course, there's only so many places you can hide, and then people start finding you. And uh, hide and seek is actually, I don't want to say a biblical game, but the original game of hide and seek is recorded in Scripture. It's years and years and years ago, generations ago, if we go all the way back to Genesis chapter 3, we find the first ever recorded game of hide and seek. And it goes something like this. Adam and Eve are in the Garden of Eden. They have just committed the first sin by eating of the fruit that, that God had told them explicitly not to eat. And um, this is what happened. So they've eaten the fruit, and the Bible says that they suddenly became aware of their condition. They became aware of their nakedness, all right? And it says this. This is Genesis 3, verse 8 to 10. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Right from that first game of hide and seek, Adam and Eve hid away from God, and mankind has been hiding from God ever since, to some degree or another. And that's what we're going to look at this morning and unpack a little bit about this hide-and-seek game that we play with God in our own lives and how we can avoid it and move on from it. Because the trouble is that nowhere in Scripture and nowhere in our own lives has hiding from God ever proven to be a very good idea. Generally, the guys that you read about that hide away from God in Scripture, and I'm sure you've encountered this in your own lives too, hiding from God generally just leads to trouble and destruction in some cases. And uh, we, we still, we, we keep fooling ourselves that um, we can do it. But the truth of the matter is this. No one can hide from God. It's as simple a message as this this morning. And the more we 
But you see, the trouble with Adam and Eve was they were feeling pretty ashamed. And so that's why they hid. And that's sometimes what we do in our own lives. There'll be something we've done or something we've, we've thought about doing, or something that we feel separates us from God, and we feel ashamed. And so what we do is we hide away from God. Only the trouble is that the best hide-and-seek spots, uh, for anyone that's ever played, are generally the darkest, most desolate places you can find in the house. You see, for a hide-and-seek physical game, that's good. For a spiritual game, the darkest, most desolate places are the places that we are told to avoid. And yet we stumble right into them time and time again because we've got this constant idea that we can somehow hide from God. And so what happens is we hide from God. He comes searching for us. We feel ashamed because of whatever the reason is that we're hiding from, and we try to hide even further. And so we get this perpetual vicious cycle where we think we can run away and we think we can escape. Have you ever played hide and seek with a child and... Um, it's all cute when you're the mom or the dad. And like I remember Laura when she was really little, we'd play hide and seek. And you'd find her lying under the bed. Like if this is the bed, here's Laura's head and the rest of her is sticking out. All right? Has anyone ever played a game like that? Or, or the child might do something like this on the couch with the pillows. They're now hiding. Right? Because we go, well, so long as I, I mean, I even did it the other day with Laura and John, if I'm honest. I, tucked, I ducked down all of me behind a table about this high, and it was a glass table too, so I don't know what I was thinking. And I tucked away, it was a dark corner, and I figured, if I just close my eyes and he doesn't see me seeing him, then he won't see me at all. And that's sometimes how we hide away from God, right? You cannot truly hide from an omniscient, omnipresent and omnipotent God, and all-seeing, and all-knowing, and an all-powerful God. You can't hide from Him. So what we do when we think we're hiding is it means we've done this, and we've put on the blinkers, and we've turned our eyes away from God, and we've gone, that's it. If I can't see God, He can't see me. And the opposite is so true. Those dark places, those desolate places, don't hide us any better than the bright light so far as God is concerned. He sees us. God sees you this morning. And you might think, no, man, that's, like, that message is for other people. It's not for me. Like, yeah, I'm part of the crowd. No, God sees you. And if you let that sink in for just a moment, like the creator of the universe sees you better than your husband or your wife can, better than your parents can, better than your children can, better than even, if we're honest with ourselves, better than even we can. He sees you. Hebrews 4 verse 13 says, nothing in all creation is hidden from God, from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. There is nothing and no one who can hide from the presence of God, however much we might fool ourselves that we can. You see, we've gone, ah, if my eyes are covered, if I can't see God, God can't see me. That is not true. In Jeremiah 23, God says this. This is 23, verse 23 to 34, uh, 24, 23 to 24. God says, am I a God near at hand, says the Lord, and not a God afar off? Can anyone hide himself in secret places so I shall not see him, says the Lord? Do I not fill the heaven and earth, says the Lord? 
That word fill, you know me, I like to go and look up the Hebrew meanings of things. Um, That word fill literally means to fill to the brim and to saturate. There is not a place on this earth, below this earth, above this earth that you could go where God would not be able to see you. The psalmist put it like this in Psalm 139. He says this, and this is one of my favorite psalms. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me, you hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light will become night around me. And how often do we do that? Like, surely God can't see what happens in the dark places. Surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me. Even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. I didn't ask for these two on the, on the screen, but I'm going to read them anyway. It says, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Then verse 15 again says, my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. There are times when I've played hide and seek with my children and I didn't know I was playing, such as in Pip. When I go, where's my five-year-old? John, and then you look like a, like a mad mother because you kind of go, at which point do you panic? Like, at which point do you really, like, shout the store down? Like, you know, like, prim and proper on the outside. You must be around, John, 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 John. And then eventually there'll be someone who comes to me and they're like, and you'll see these little feet from underneath the clothing, you know? Not the, not the funnest games of hide and seek. You see, as a parent, we might not always know. As a human parent, we might not always know where our child is. God has never not known you. God has never not seen you. God has never not cared deeply about wherever you're at. Even in those moments where you're like, I don't deserve this. You know what? None of us do, and we never have, and we never will. But that's not, that's not ours to attain. It's God's to give, that gift that he gives us. Where could I go that I would be able to hide from you, as the psalmist said? Where could I flee from your presence? And you might think this morning, you might go, well, thanks, Charlotte, but... Um, Look at who you're talking to. We're here. Like, obviously, this message is meant for the people who haven't yet found their way into a church. You know what? Sometimes you can hide without even realizing you're hiding. Sometimes you can hide in absolute plain sight. I had a, 
a moment that struck me the other day, not even the other day, this was a few months ago, um, and I shared it with the guys from the preach team. I, I was driving in my car, and I was singing worship songs, and I was like, I think it was that, uh, that I won't attempt to sing because I don't really sing, and I'm not going to pay for anyone's therapy bills, but you know that guitar, that one, right? And I'm singing, and I'm praising, and some guy cut me off, and I was like, idiot! And if I'm 100% true, I'm not 100% sure I used the word idiot. Okay, let's say that online, all right? It may have been slightly more tongueish language than that, all right? And what struck me in that moment was just how quickly you can, you can flip between like, I worship you, God, to like the most ungodly things. And I think sometimes we compartmentalize our lives. Sometimes we have these sections of our lives that we try to keep separate from each other. So we can be sitting here in church and we can be doing all the right things. And I know I've said this before, and we can have our hands up and we can have the right prayers and we can have the right scriptures and we can do whatever. But there's these sections of ourselves that we wouldn't dare bring to church with us. You know, there's these sections of ourselves where we go, God can have this and this and that, but not that. And if you go, no, that's definitely not me, let me ask you this. Have you ever caught yourself saying to your spouse or to yourself, that's not something I should say in church. That's not something I can do around church people. You see, if that's the case, then it means we are. We're we're, we're putting God into a box. And I'm not saying God is the church. I'm just saying this is one of the places where I think we're most free to to love him and worship him. But, But if that's our attitude is that church and God belong there and everything else is there and there's no overflow of God from my Christian life into all the other aspects of my life, then we're hiding everything else away from God. So we might go, well, I'm not physically playing a game of hide and seek. And yes, I acknowledge him. But um, there's certain areas that I don't really want God involved in. There's certain areas I can handle on my own or that I must sort out on my own or that I must deal with with by myself. And God's going, he doesn't want anything hidden from him. He doesn't want us hidden and he doesn't want pieces of our lives hidden away because God wants all of you as you are. And that's, a, that's an amazing thing. I mean, think about when you're dating someone for the first time. It's best foot forward, right? You always try to, for everyone you're trying to impress, you kind of think, I've got to, I've got to put on a show. I've got to be just that right kind of person. God sees just what kind of person you and I are. And he loves us for them, or loves us for it the same. So my question to you this morning is, what... Um, what pieces of God might you, what pieces of God, no. What pieces of yourself might you be hiding away from God this morning? Like maybe you acknowledge him and you go, yes, he's my father, but there's still this that I really don't want him to see because I battle with this and I'm ashamed of this and I'd rather tuck it under the table and hide it away. And God's going, I, I can see it anyway. There's a tiny little book in the Bible it's minute. This is the grand total of that book in my Bible. That's it there, just that page. It's tucked away between the books of Obadiah and Micah. And um, although it's a very short story, and don't worry, I won't read the whole thing to you, but it's a very short story. It's probably one of the most famous Bible stories ever. I mean, this guy is one of the best hardened seekers in, if, if, it was, if it was a championship and this was the Olympics, he'd, he'd have the gold medal, right? 
Um, he's also the original marine biologist in the Bible because he spent a lot of time studying fish. And he's a guy that you learned about in Sunday school by the name of Jonah. And Jonah, here's the thing, Jonah was a man of God. As I was reading the, the scriptures, I got that because Jonah must have had a relationship with God that God would speak to Jonah and say, you need to go to Nineveh, and this is what I want you to tell them. And I mean, we could do an entire sermon just around Jonah. Do yourself a favor. If you have never read the book, it's a tiny, it's four chapters long. It's an easy read, but there's so much more in here than what we ever learned in Sunday school. But basically, Jonah thinks that he can run away from God. In fact, he goes so far as to even tell the sailors on the ship that he climbs onto, he even tells them, I'm hiding from the Lord. He acknowledges that to them. And what happens is, because we already know you can't hide from God, God finds Jonah in this ship, all right? And there's a huge storm. And in order to save everyone on board, Jonah eventually realizes he must be thrown over into the water. And instead of perishing, God sends a huge fish to come and swallow Jonah and to teach him a lesson. And Jonah finds himself in a dark, damp, I'm going to guess, fishy-smelling place. And he prays this prayer. In my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help. And you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the current swirled around me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight. How often do we feel like that? Like, God, I... I've done nothing that deserves you to even look in my direction. I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waves threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you in your holy temple. Those who cling to the worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will make good. I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. Note two key things there. At no point does Jonah say, God, you looked away from me. He says, God, I looked away from you. And he also says, he doesn't say, God, you forgot me. He implies that he's the one that forgot God. Because it would be impossible for God to forget any one of us. It's not in his nature. He cannot forget us. He cannot not see us. Does that make sense? I know I'm not allowed to say that. I've been told, stop asking if it makes sense in the sermons. But does this make sense? God sees you as you are. He sees you in the pit he sees you in the realm of the dead and he reaches down and he pulls you out and he says, you can have salvation. Perhaps you don't want to be hidden. Perhaps you feel like you're hidden by default. Have you ever had that, um, that feeling like you've got your, your, your face, your nose pressed up against the glass but it's all happening there and you have no idea how to get inside. Have you, have you ever had that? You feel left out like, surely, you know, I, I'd love this, but surely it's not meant for me. Like surely if God really, really saw me, he, he would, you know, he'd bury me back with the fishes. I 
nothing you can do that would make you less loved in the sight of God. In fact, Jesus had a very special heart for what we call the lost. And he, he, he got a lot of criticism uh, while he was here on earth. Jesus often faced um, criticism because of the people that he hung around with. The people that others might go, well, they're not worthy of his time. And in fact, in Luke 15, and I won't go into the whole thing now, but in Luke chapter 15, um, there's the, the, the story of Jesus sitting with the sinners, as they termed, and you've got all the Pharisees and the scribes and the churchy people going, oh, look at who he's sitting with. And that leads to him telling them a parable, or three parables rather, of the lost sheep, the coin, and the prodigal son. And he also goes so far as to tell them in other parts of scripture that he says he hasn't come for the, the healthy, he's come for the sick. And I think what some of us don't realize, though, is that we're all lost, and we're all sick, and we're all in need of Christ. But unless we acknowledge that, as Jonah did, unless we put our eyes back on him, we'll go the whole time going, God can't see me, so I can't see him. And we'll miss the very best parts of this life that God has to offer us. There's so much more. There's so much. He wants to take us so much deeper. If only we would stop running and hiding from him. And we would start doing what the psalmist says and hide in him. We're not meant to run from God. We're meant to run to him. We're not meant when things get tough to hide away from him. We're meant to find our sanctuary and our refuge in him. In Psalm, 130, sorry, Psalm 32, verse 1 to 2, it says this, You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. That is true for each and every one of us this morning. 